there are musicians, they're weirdos, but they are mu- there are musicians that don't really listen to anything within their genre and just make it. And then you almost think, oh, was you just an influencer on Instagram that was already popping with your numbers and just gave music a go? Because like, it's like, how do you not know anything about the genre of music you're making? How? Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. Oh, don't crack me with the guitar. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. What's up with it? Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. I'm super excited about my next guest. It is the wonderful Harley Blue. Um, And for those of you who haven't put it together yet, uh, I spoke to Illa J a few weeks ago and Harley Blue and Illa J did a collab. They've got an album that just came out, so make sure you check it out. It's called Hideout, I believe. Um, Hopefully I got that right. I'm known for getting stuff wrong. Um, (laughs) But obviously a little bit different in terms of the artists that I usually speak to. I usually speak to like classic just straight up hip hop artists, but you can literally do it all. You can, you know, you've got a bit of jazz in there. You've got hip hop, you've got like Neo soul um, and you come with such a powerful voice. It's awesome to hear. Like um, it's been a while since I've been like, okay, that's an awesome voice. So it's a pleasure (laughs) to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, big up the classic hip hop dudes that you normally uh, interview. I got love for them too. But yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. It's weird because something I've always wondered, right, is that you've got a strong British accent, but when you sing, I don't hear the same accent. And I've (laughs) always wanted to ask, and I've never gotten around to, but like, is it part of the singing in the practice that removes the accent? Is it like an active thing or is it just the way it happens? I think it's just natural, you know. Um, I think a lot of British singers are heavily influenced by American music. And, um, you know, it's easier to sing with a drawl. So I think that's how your your accent gets lost slightly. Um, I feel like the British accent's like a bit more staccato. It's like, it sounds a bit like, if I was to sing in like a British accent, I don't know, some people do sing in a British accent and more power to them, but... Like your Amy Winehouse's, for example, um, Lily you know, Allen. yeah, like well, Amy Winehouse. I was using as example, she doesn't sing in a British accent. Yeah. Whereas I would say uh, Lily Allen does. <laughs> so um, kind of opposite <laughs> scale. We have the both examples. There. Yeah, yeah, both good examples. But I would say it's harder to sing with a British drawl. Like, I can't explain it, but it's it's like you don't get those jazzy tones that you want, those soulful. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe because I am jazzy and soulful, I'll say that. But, 
yeah, you're not the first person who's clocked that. All my life, actually, I've been told, like, yo, you're too American, yeah, you're too American, like, you're coming with that American sound. It's like, well, bruv, it works, so, (laughs) bun you. (laughs) Well, I I wouldn't say it's too American. I think as long as it works for you, that it works for you. But, like, I've noticed it with Australian artists as well, is, like, Australian singers also have an Americanized voice, even though... You know, we don't sound like that. Like you can spot an Aussie accent a mile away. So it's interesting because hip-hop artists tend not to do it. Like Aussie Mm. hip-hop artists, you're like, oh, you're Australian straight away. As soon as they become singers, you're like, I can't really tell. So it's interesting that it just is the crossover. I think once you go into melody, it's like when you start to lose it. Yeah, because if you think about it, I don't know, it's like, Accents make everything more stricter sometimes. Like, um, well, British accent feels kind of restrictive anyway. And if you just, if you are singing and that's naturally what comes, like I didn't, I didn't think, oh, I've got to sing like this. This is just what came out. Uh, (laughs) And I've been singing since like my younger years in like gospel choirs and you know, um, in the church and stuff. So, like, that's what came out <laughs> from, like, age eight. <laughs> so, like, it's clearly natural. Like, it's not something that any British or Australian artist is sitting down and, like, dissecting, like, uh, Americans uh, pronounce <laughs> this word just like this. So um, I'm going to sing, like, yeah, it's not, like, I don't think it's as contrived or like well thought out as um as maybe it might come across i don't know i don't know how it comes across i just know it's a thing (laughs) so i wouldn't be surprised if there are some artists though that do do that well this is where i think the line is so and people have done this historically in the past if you're rapping in a different accent that's the line for me so you know when if that Australian artist that you're talking about, if they're rapping Australian and then like, yeah, and then all of a sudden start rapping in an American accent, which I think is it um is it Iggy Azalea? Oh yeah, Iggy Azalea, yeah. <laughs> See, I forget um, she's Australian as well, actually, yeah. now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like if it's like blatantly your speaking voice. Um, I'm not saying your speaking voice is necessarily your rapping voice either because you do put on a bit of a like show voice I get it I get it I'm not dissing anyone but if it's like you are Australian though and then you are rapping in a like southern Atlanta (laughs) it's just like whoa so that's the I would say the rapping part is like probably the line because then it goes into like I, I wouldn't say that is natural. I don't know what the diff- why it would be different to singing, but it feels well, I think different. the difference is that you're not actively pursuing it versus someone who's actively pursuing an accent. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there is a huge difference between it coming out naturally versus it being like, okay, I know southern drawl sells, so now I'm going to put on a southern drawl accent. That feels really weird as opposed to just like, you know, doing different things with your voice. But then again, like, 
I'm not one to talk as I'm a fan and I don't rap at all. So like whatever works for <laughs> you is kind of whatever works for you. But like I personally don't love the Aussie accent in hip hop just because like I'm so used to listening to American hip hop. So like yeah, I, I can kind of understand that. I much prefer like the British accent in hip hop to Aussie accents. Um, like I just think I it love, sounds I, way better. Yeah. I love the British accent in hip hop as well. Um, but I'm biased, so I will I will say that. But I actually haven't heard the I haven't heard the Australian accent in hip hop, so I can't tell you. But I reckon it would be dope. I I think yeah. I re- I reckon it, I like your accent, so I think it would be it probably be cool. Anything with an accent, like I'm I'm half Jamaican, um, half British, and like obviously whenever like. Jamaicans get on the mic instantly, immediately. The tune sounds dope. And that's like, <laughs> I kind of think like any, an accent on on any type of music, hip hop, whatever, you drop an accent on it. It's like, woo. I even listened to like some German, it was like um, German, cause like I've, I've worked with quite a few g- different like German hip hop producers and artists um, over in Berlin. And they're like, I even listened to something the other day, so I'm putting a mix together. And um, this girl, she's sick, man. She's on some like 90s, like hip hop, like, and she's kind of like vibing. And I'm thinking, oh, what's she gonna do? What's she gonna do? And she's like, yo, 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 yo. And then, I, na, 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 and she goes into German, full German. I don't know what she's saying, but it sounds <laughs> wicked. Like, it sounds wicked. So, like, yeah, man, I'm here for it. I'm here for all. Different accents. Um, isn't it funny though? Yeah, isn't it funny though? Because, like, there's a song, I forget the name of the song, and I forget the the French artist, but there's a DJ premiere track where he has it with French rappers, and I got no idea what the fuck they're saying. But again, like you said, it just sounds cool. Um, and I've always wondered, like, why hip hop is so big in countries that don't speak English, and I guess it's for the exact same reason that we just talked about, that it's like a vibe thing, that it really doesn't matter what they it say. It is a vibe thing. It yeah, just feels it good. Yeah. And also they've got ears, man. So, of course, France is like, because like I've um, always had um, quite a strong connection to France. So France were digging my music before like Britain was digging my music. And um, from the age of like, you know, early, early, early on in my career, I've been like touring jazz, like the jazz circuit in France. So like uh, they'll always put on like the most incredible like jazz festivals and I get to feel like Eric could be doing for the day. Like it's crazy. Like <laughs> it's so sick. But I've always had like a connection to France. I've always thought they were so, so like dope because they just love like basically the music I love. So they're the second uh, biggest hip hop consumers in the world um, after America, and obviously that was that's really I did not hip-hop. know that. That would not have yeah. been my guess. Yeah, so they they feel it like on a next level, and then also I, I assume because I've I've been booked heavily for it, but like they they've got mad jazz festivals like all over the country and even like in Switzerland in the French speaking parts of Switzerland, I've gone off and and done jazz festivals there and the German parts but yeah it's like um France is special like this is a special place like whether they speak the language or not they're, they're feeling the vibrations man and also some French hip-hop 
is actually dope because the French accent is sexy, bro. So, <laughs> yo, stick them on a beat and we're in. Like, <laughs> what about Canadians? I thought Canadians would be bigger. Like, I thought Canada would be the second largest because, like, they're right oh. there and they got Drake. And, you know, Drake's have- a hometown hero. Uh, he's got a bit of house now, hasn't he? So he's <laughs> kind of switching teams now. So that's probably... <laughs> but um, no, I, I swear, I hope I've not pulled that fact out of thin air and been like, this is... <laughs> Someone's going to correct me. But no, as far as I was aware, um, at least when I started touring there, that's the information I was given that hip-hop is, yeah, the second biggest consumers in the world. And it makes sense, like, when you're there, like, when you're in, like, Marseille or, like, Nice or, like, yeah, Nantes or all these, like, beautiful, beautiful cities, like, with, like the nights they put on, like, you'll walk into, like, a bar in Paris and they'll be playing, like, yeah, D'Angelo, Tribe Called Quest, like, all these different things, like, slap bang next to each other. And it's literally, like my music taste <laughs> so i'm literally just there like um hi uh, prosecco please <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure they uh they they knew that they were catering to you but it, isn't it weird that like <laughs> out of all the places you feel like really comfortable it's france usually the french are known for not being so friendly they're known for being a bit stuck up they're known for being bougie, but they're not bougie to me. They are very inviting. And, uh, uh, yeah, well, it's cool because I'm used to it anyway because Londoners are, like, apparently, like, a bit of a tough tough nut to crack. And, like, yeah, I always have my best gigs in France and in London. So far. So far. But, um, yeah, like, yeah, like, Paris, love it. And, like, yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe like if you're specifically what they want, they might be nice to you. You know how you've got like a favourite auntie or uncle? It's like, yeah, yeah, you're cool though. Like everyone else is dry, but you're cool. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got or it's like, it's like, you know, the teacher at school who's a dick to everyone. But for whatever <laughs> reason, they're kind of nice to you. And it's yeah. not even like crazy, but it's like compared to everybody else. Like yeah. they just... And you're like, I don't understand why you treat everybody else like shit, but, like, whatever. I'll take it. I'm yeah. not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had yeah, the same well. type of, like, tours or, like, shows in, like, French-speaking Canada versus actual France? Um, have I played French-speaking Canada? Is that yeah. the question? And have you no. had the same experience? I would love to play French-speaking Canada. Um, that would be amazing. But no, considering how much I've toured France, actually, um, I haven't actually played, I've not played Canada. Um, so, like, hopefully in the future. But, yeah, I don't know. Well, France is next door to me, isn't it? So, like, it's literally, like, literally next door. So, but Canada is like <laughs> that'll be like touring America. So it's the other side of the world. So maybe well, it's you don't have to tell me life. because like I'm Australia <laughs> and everyone's yeah. fucking far away for me. So it doesn't matter where we go. It's an absolute trek. So um but you know French Canada get your shit together because clearly Harley Blue is doing well in French speaking countries. So you know good excuse to bring her over. <laughs> yeah, man, I'd love that. Get me over, get me over. 
And then, you know, because Drake is obviously struggling a little bit with his new album, he's got a lot of backlash, he might be able to jump on a track. You know, people aren't feeling Drake these. I mean, the look on your face is the best. Uh, man, like, I don't want to, like, you know, kill it off, but, yo, that album is not good. Like, <laughs> it's not good, man. It's not good. Um, Do you I, think... I, I can't, you know, have you listened to the new Beyonce house track? Like, that's actually a banger, Break My Soul, because she's doing it in, like, a traditional way. So, like, it feels like she did her homework and, like, is very much incorporating, like, uh, classic elements of that genre of music into her track. So I was like, okay, respect Beyonce, like, you've, you've done a good job. And then you listen to the whole Drake album and it's like, did you just walk past the corridor and like hear Beyonce in the studio having, having a go at a house and, and killing it? And you're like, yo, yo, that's the next vibe. Oh, that's the vibe. I'm going to have a go at that. And then just did a whole album of that because like, I'm trying to understand the motive behind, because like the difference as well, Beyonce can sing. So, like, she can really sing. So when she's doing house, it's like she's got the screamy, soulful vocals, everything's there. But, like, when Drake's doing it, he's got this kind of, like, monotone, non-vocal. I don't know. <laughs> do, you, like... do you think no one told him not to do it? Hell, like, yeah. No I one think... told him. He's got a whole team of yes-men, and no one, no one could probably break it to him, like, yo, bro, you're not sounding that dope on house, you know, like, because he's done bare, he's done so many things like that are not necessarily naturally him. So like he's done drill. He's like, I remember a couple of summers ago um, at a festival, like the, the, I think it was either drill or grime, which is obviously like our, our shit, like in the UK, like, he did like a track and it blew up in like, oh my God, everyone was playing it. And it was like basically Drake on drill or grime. I can't remember which one, but I think it was drill. But um, yeah, everyone was playing it. It was like, oh, okay, cool. Like if you do it justice, jump into whatever genre you want. Like I've got no issues with that. If you kill it, jump in. Like we want to hear it. But this... <laughs> I'm, I just don't, I don't know what's happening. I want someone to tell me what's happening because I, well, I don't know what's happening. I don't know about you, but it felt like there was zero press about it and there was zero build-up, which kind of felt to me like people just wanted it to hit and hopefully yeah. it works. And like, yeah. I mean, I think you're definitely right that a lot of yes men saying, Drake, you can do anything, you're the king, like you did mm. this, you did that. Um, but I've always been just a fan of him spitting bars. That's always yeah, been my favourite version of Drake because he, he brings too. a different flavour. He doesn't bring like the the gangster version of artist. He brings a different type of artist and he can blend into that. But like he just does so many different things now. Like I always find when I listen to his albums, I can pick like one or two songs, mm. maybe three, because he's hitting mm. too many like different genres and hitting too many different audiences. And like, for me, I'm just like, give me, if you're reading this, it's too late. Give me that album again. I want that album a second time. Mm. But like, 
he does have a lot of commercial audiences now, so it must be pretty tough. And I guess that would just like, let's see if we can get other audiences. I mean, I think he's played like one every 17 songs or something like that on Spotify. Like ridiculous in terms of his Wow, that's so good. So it's clearly working. So like, you know, he ain't going to have too many people tell him, oh, no, that idea is like da-da-da-da-da. But like, you know, I, I hate how like nowadays we we don't just like use our ears like does it actually sound good or are we just bigging it up because it's got the most numbers and the most streams like that's the kind of shit that makes artists true artists stop making music because the fans are not listening with their ears anymore you're listening with your eyes you're watching the numbers like oh does everyone like it okay i'll like it too yo just listen to music with your ears is it good or is it not and like, if it's good, like, yo, you, you, you know, contributing to the culture, you're doing your thing, like, which he has done, like very much so. So like, so when does it become like about the art again? Because that's what musicians are meant. That's what we're here for, the art. So when does it stop being about the art and it starts being just about the numbers? And maybe in that really mainstream world, you lose your way quick because you've got, uh, you know, 100 plus entourage to pay. You've got, you know, all these, you know, stats to hit. And like, if you don't hit that, you're a flop or you're a has-been or whatever. And there's obviously all this pressure for them. And I totally understand why you'd probably be like, actually, yo, house music's hitting at the moment. Yo, let me delve in that. I get it. But like... What about the artist in you that can hear that that's not really a good tune? That's what's confusing sometimes. It's like, yo, but you surely know because you're you're sick. You are that guy. So like, it's not like you haven't made the albums already that you've already made. So it's really interesting when this happens. Like I've seen it happen like so many times and I, and I get it, but also... I don't get it because I'm like, yo, but the artist in you should know that that's not. And yo, if you're making tunes, yeah, and you put them out and you truly believe in it and your whole heart believes in the tune, then obviously fuck what anyone else thinks, release the tune. But it, I can't, it feels like, <laughs> it feels like you listen to, like you heard through, you, like your LA manager through the grapevine that Beyonce was making house and you, you decided to make, doesn't feel natural to me. I don't know. Like, obviously I might've just made this entire like fantasy <laughs> version like of what actually happened. But like, I'm surmising, obviously it, it hurts more, not hurts. That's really dramatic, but it's more annoying when you actually rate an artist and they don't deliver. And I would say in the mainstream realms, this has been happening consistently for a little while now, uh, for me well, anyway. I think there's so many points to this. And I think the first is that there's money involved. And as soon as money became involved in artistry, there became sales and you have to sell albums and sell streams and sell. So, like, Drake is not just Drake. Drake is obviously associated with brands and he's associated with XYZ. So they're obviously 
also going, hey, let's release something new. And I also think it feels like someone was like, hey, Drake, I think, like you said, this could be good. Or Drake also believes it could be good, but he doesn't listen to the music. Like he doesn't listen to EDM. You can hear that he doesn't listen to it. That's what I mean. The authenticity ain't there because you can hear like, it's weird. It's like Beyonce did her homework. It's so strange. Like, I'm not professing to be some kind of, like, um, you know, I know my shit when it comes to house or nothing like that. But you can tell there's, like, a level there where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you you know you know your shit with that genre or whatever. And it feels, feels like he did his homework with, like, drill and stuff like that when he jumped on that. But... Yeah, you can hear something and it's really hard to explain, isn't it? But you can hear, yo, you don't listen, yeah, you don't listen but to that. Do you know what it feels like? It. it it feels like someone was, they were like, like, don't worry about it. We can sell this. It'll go big. We'll just get the right people in the studio with you. And, you know, and it feels like even like he's he's not able to identify good or bad. It It might mm. all sound the same to him because to be honest, it kind of sounds similar to me. I don't listen to that genre of music, but I yeah, listen yeah. to enough hip hop to know that Drake's voice and what he did didn't match the beat. So like yeah. maybe that's the same with him is like he does his thing. He doesn't a hundred percent believe in it, but the people around him are going, nah, man, it's good. Like you're just being self-critical. And so they've already committed to it. And so they're committed to dropping the project. So I think there's like all these potential elements at play, but yeah, if you don't listen to the genre of music, it's going to be virtually impossible to to actually drop something good. I mean, I had a similar problem with Kendrick's album, not that he doesn't listen to hip hop, but because as soon as it dropped, everyone was so quick to be like, five-star album, this is perfect. And I disagree. I did a whole review on it and I did give it wow. four stars in the end, but I, I agree with you that you should listen to the music for yourself, not so that you can agree with everybody else and give it five stars. Because, like, yeah, for me exactly. personally, Tribe Called Quest is not my favourite. Like, right. I know it's classic. I know people love it. I've listened to the album, and it just doesn't resonate with me at all. And I wish I loved it. I really do. <laughs> but I just can't pretend that I'm going to go listen to it. So I can understand the significance in hip-hop. I can understand how it plays and how it influenced so many artists. But, like, am I going to go listen to it? Probably not. And that's fine. You just got to own your own taste. Well, that's it. And I think you've just nailed it there. Like, it's your taste. So why why we just just follow numbers and trends and hype is weird because it's like yo like it's kind of like food like what your what's your favorite food so hip hop's like I don't know I love Italian food so hip hop's Italian food yeah and like I don't know um, what what we've got jazz is like Jamaican food and like it's like yo like I love hip hop but I don't like jazz or I love jazz, but I don't love hip hop. Just like the different types of food you might take to and might not like or whatever. So I don't understand. It's so personal and individualistic that it's almost like, how can you not like have your own opinion and just follow that? Like, especially if you're an artist, if you're actually the chef in the kitchen making the food, you're choosing to make food you don't even like eating. 
that's what's happening. Like, and that's where it gets really confusing because, yeah, say you've got a Michelin star restaurant and like a bag of people are, are lined up outside to eat the food that you don't like making. That's what's happening with like a lot of mainstream artists there. They're doing mad things for the bag. They're doing mad things for the stats, for the for the this, for the that. But do you like what you actually make? And yeah, it's crazy to me. And like I say, I do get it. Like I'm not in the position they're in, like millionaires, you got all this money, all these people to pay. Like I get it how it happens, but I'm like you. It's like, I like what I like. So what we eating today because boy i'm ready like do you know what i mean i want to eat what i want to eat like do you know what i mean well let me ask you this <laughs> let's say you were in their position do you ever think you could get to a point where like you know they put an offer in front of you big enough for you to compromise your artistry and like i know that no artist wants to admit it wants to say yeah but yeah. i know personally if i was an artist i would I'm a big believer in the fact that everyone has a price. <laughs> I literally believe that because, I mean, my career outside of this was in sales. So, like, I know selling and everyone has a price. Everyone has, like, a way that you can convince them. So yeah. I'm a, I kind of I kind of understand that they would sell out and it's not cool, but I wonder if every artist mm-hmm. would have a price. And I, and I think more artists would say they don't, don't. but they do. Because, yeah, like, once you're presented with the opportunity, it's different to, like, hypothetically being there. Because Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I think, again, I would love to say, um, I would love to say, no, nah, man, I would just, yo, yo. But, like, and personally, I've been, I've been through a bit of a journey. So um, I put out some music um, not even that long ago that I didn't totally believe in. And um, my management at the time um, were like, right, so we want to put you in. I've always written my own songs, but they were like, yo, we want to put you in with some proper songwriters. Let's get a team around you. We want some well-written songs. I was like, damn, did I not write songs? Yeah, I mean, mean, backhand, (laughs) just a backhand right there. Just like, we want well-written songs as opposed to the shit you've been delivering. As opposed to that little rap flow that you do. Like, we want singing. No, this is how it was explained to me. We want singing songs, like, because I have like a little, you know, hip-hop flavour. So it was like, no, we don't want that. Um, We want, you know, your... Basically, we want to package you up in a way that we think will, you know, be a little bit more catered to um, a more crossover audience was how it was explained. And anyone who listens to my music will probably like hear that that's as far as I can go. Like I couldn't physically go as far as they wanted me to go. Like they wanted me to be on some like Adele shit and like I'm not on that like I'm not gonna do some big pop soul ballad like it's just not me but they wanted me to go that far and um I went as far as I could could and to be honest like I've had this conversation before and some people are like no man it's dope I can't hear it I can't but I can hear it the production is more 
crossover they've took their hip-hop drums out like i am singing melodically like it's not there's no little flow like a lot of my authentic artistry is kind of taken out and i can hear it so i released it um it did well on radio i don't normally get actually as much radio play so that was the difference there but like I do all right on Spotify and like you could literally see the fans. It was like the new radio fans, the Spotify fans. And just as I got new radio fans, the Spotify fans went. And it was like, yo, like that's because the Spotify fans were, in my opinion, the real shit. They're like, nah, bro, if you're going to come with some like... Mm -mm." And then obviously the new radio fans, they like all the, you know, little bit more listenable gets listened to on the radio. So that was a harsh lesson I had to learn. Like as much as I gained something, I lost something. And I also lost something in myself, my, my authentic artistry. Like you're so busy chasing something else. You're losing what people like in you in the first place. So I've already had that harsh lesson and the album with Illa J um, hideout that I did is actually me stepping back into my truth and me making exactly what I want. I'm effing and blinding in the tunes. I'm swearing. That's first one of the first things. No, it's got to go. No swearing on the radio. It's got to go. So I'm doing my thing. I'm like expressing myself exactly how I want. They're not the most conventionally written tunes but we backed and forthed. We, you know, I wrote a verse, he jumped in, wrote a chorus, I jumped in, wrote another, you know, like, like B section or whatever. Like we're just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, bro, every tune I, I hear, he jumps on the MPC, boom, 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 makes the sickest beats, the bass line, plays it in, like jumps on the organs, playing it in. And I'm like, yo, this, this expression is free. Like I can write what I want. I can speak about what I want. He's playing what he wants. He's speaking about what he wants. There's this crazy chemistry back and forth. And I was like, I've flown to the other side of the world to find this kind of chemistry and I found it. So I was like, one thing I will never do again. And this is just personal because of what happened. Um, I left my management, we stopped working together, um, you know, I, I flew to Vegas, I made the album with Illa, I've got a new team now, new booking agent, we, we're, we're getting tours coming in, there's this whole new, new vibe, new team, new energy, and like, it's funny now because, you know, there's certain people from the old team knocking on the door like yo let me in let me back in let me back in because it's like they're seeing what's natural and organic take off but you know again it's just a harsh lesson for me to learn and I guess that's why I was so passionate about Drake earlier because like it's a it's been a, a journey for me to get to this point where it's like I've always made the music that I believe in and I love. But when you're not doing mad, mad numbers, when you're not selling out every show that you put on and all this crazy stuff, 
you do start to think like, mm, am I doing this right then? You're taking external advice because you're thinking, yo, like maybe I've missed a trick here. And you have, I'm not an egomaniac. Like I don't think I'm the sickest one out. I don't think like, I don't think I've got all the answers. I'm here to learn. I want to progress with my artistry. I want to learn. So I'm here like, yo, maybe my man's right. Like if I just went a tight, if my songs were a little bit more well-written with like professional songwriters, maybe it'd hit the audience differently. And you start umming and ahhing and then eventually you learn the only put the, out of everyone in the whole world, you need to listen to yourself. As an artist, listen to yourself. The art comes first. The music always comes first. All that donkey shit in the background, that circus in the background, burn all that because that is just, that comes along with it. All the extras come along with it. But are you happy to put your name on it? Are you happy to rep it? Is that the message you want to give out to the world? Is that truly your expression? And then after releasing that and not feeding it and losing some of my Spotify hype and, and gaining some, you know, weird crossover hype that felt like fake fans, it didn't feel totally real, I'll be honest. It wasn't like my usual fan base. And then obviously... Flew to Vegas, had a mad chemistry um, vibe going on with Illa. Crazy, crazy, like just writing whatever I want. And I had this like rebirth almost. And now I couldn't, I don't think I could ever go back because I had such a bad experience. You know, when like you're so demotivated, like remember like the pandemic, we're in the middle of the pandemic and like it was like so... Mid 2021, I released this project that I didn't truly believe in. And I couldn't get out of bed some days, like, because I knew that it wasn't quite right. And I knew I just had this feeling, you know, when you have this gut feeling and it put me in turmoil. And, you know, it's funny because I'm speaking about it like, oh, nah, like, but it wasn't truly me. And some people will be like, yo, what? like my stylist and stuff's like, yo, I listen to that tune all the time. And like some people, it really, <laughs> they like it and that's fine. But for me, it wasn't 1000% my expression. And yeah, there's such a harsh, harsh, harsh lesson to learn. And so now you know all that, that information about my real journey within like the last 12 months, like meeting Illa, you know, we're, we're on this now, we're, we're producing, writing and, and recording and releasing multiple projects together. Um, and now I've found the energy that I want and the sound I want and the chemistry I want, I couldn't go back now. So- That's So interesting. Because like, because the question that I always ask, and this is a, this is more like a rhetorical question for any artist, is like, you will always get pushed to sound like the artist popping off. Yeah. And do you want to sound like that artist or do you want to sound like yourself? Because at the end of the day, 
if you sound like that artist, you will not do a better impersonation of that artist than the original artist. It's like all those artists who try to impersonate Eminem. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, you're just trying to be Eminem. And I just go back and I listen to Eminem because what's the (laughs) point of listening to someone try be somebody else? So, like, the you can go for short-lived money or you can go for a career. And there is a difference between the two. And so going for your unique voice and what you bring to the industry is what you want to strive for as opposed to, oh, you're doing an impersonation of this or you sound like this person. That's not how music works, especially not hip-hop. Hip-hop, if you're a biter, it's the worst thing you can be in hip-hop. Yeah, so you, you got to bring your own style. And, like, there are interviews I've released where I'm like, people like and I don't haven't performed well. I, I release all my interviews regardless of whether I do well or not because that's kind of how I believe in it. But I get it when you're like, I don't like my performance there and people are like, no, that was good. Like, you did a good job. <laughs> and I can't separate what I hear from yeah. from like what people like I, I just don't believe them. I'm like, you can say it all you want, but I know there are XYZ things I've been working on. And in that one, I did none of them versus <laughs> other ones that, you know, it, it's just weird being the person creating the art as opposed to the consumer. Yeah. Cause you just have this completely different opinion on what you do. Yeah, exactly. But I think as well, like just to, touch upon that point like sometimes I think nowadays artists kind of listen too much to the fan actually and I think I think that can actually that can be what makes you make the music that you don't want to make like and obviously there should always be like fan power and like yo you should always be able to interact with the fans and stuff, I'm not saying that. It's more like, okay, so an example would be, do you think Prince ever, like, was like, yo, so, you know that, like, symbol that I, I'm now becoming, like, yeah, like, so I'm just the symbol now. So, fans, on this live stream, do you think that I should, like, change that symbol? It should go a little bit more wonky this way? Or, like... Or, yeah, should it just be a question mark instead? Let's have a vote. You guys decide. And you know this kind of like, you know, a little bit more electronic album that I'm doing or like, you know, this bass player that I'm using on this album. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that? And and that's what it's just like, you can't give people too much power. You've got to like go with what you think. You're supposed to be the artist. So aren't you supposed to be deciding this shit yourself? And I think nowadays it's a little bit like, it's like, yo, this is the hit. We want more of that. It's like, I've got a tune that a lot of people like called Queen Dem. And it's like a feminist anthem. Like people are like dancing to it all over the world. Like shocking out, like be girls specifically in Asia are dancing to that tune. And, I love seeing it. Don't get me wrong. Like, yo, it's sick. I, I vibe off every time I get sent a video. It's sick. But you'll get <laughs> that specific crowd that really, really love that one tune. I'm like, yo, make 10 Queen Dems, please. And I'm like, 
but no, that's the tune. That's the message I had at that time. Like, I, I, I'm still on my feminist shit. I still believe everything <laughs> that I said on the tune. I want to empower women. That's what I said on the tune. That's not gone away. I'm not making a whole album <laughs> of like just tunes about that. I've got more to say than that. And like I did make another tune anyway called Betty Davis Girls on this new album with Villa J. So check that one. But like, yeah, it's not just one message. Like you can't, if you let the fans kind of like dictate everything that you do, again, you're in the same position as like when your management are telling you, yo, you got to get those sing songy songs, you know, you got to take them hip hop drums out, you know, you're in the same position because you're being dictated to again. So as much as it's, welcomed feedback and welcomed like you want to know what they think you want to know what they vibe with of course like of course but ultimately don't let it completely control everything that you do otherwise you again you end up like you know trying to remake that hit over and over again and we know we know that that's happened time and time again. There's this grime rapper, um, I've forgotten his name. He's actually dope, but he had this one tune and like he had like severe mental health problems after he released this tune because he got a big deal from it. Um, everyone, every, it was like a summer anthem, everyone was playing it. And then like he got, he basically, they were like, we want 10 of them. And the guy was like, okay, try and like all summer or all the rest of the time of the deal, like to get 10 of them. And then he got so depressed, like he, he yo, he was on like suicide watch. He was like, he, he got so, because he couldn't do it. Because guess what? It was natural. He did the first one because it was naturally what came out of him. If you then put him in a little environment, if you put him in a studio like, yo, we've got this team around you with producers that can do this style of music. We want 10 of them. It's like, that's not natural. That's now forced. And now he doesn't know what to do. He's freaking out because he can't do 10 of them because it was completely natural. And so, also, like, do you, does anyone think that no artist wants all their music to blow up? Like, it took it's it took his whole career up until that point to get a summer anthem. If he could make ten of them, he would. But he, it's it's not possible because you exactly. you don't know what your blow up moment is. Exactly. Like, you don't. No artist knows. Like, you're always one hit away. No one knows what hit that is. But, like, if you could make hits all the time, then literally you would. So I find it so weird that everyone's that they're like, okay, make more hits. Well, no shit. What do you think I've been trying to do my whole career? <laughs> I made one. It's been 10 years. I made one. So when you put me in a studio and go make another one, it's like, well, fuck, you got to wait some time because, like, I've, yeah. I've been trying. Trust me. So it's weird that, like, we don't have this patience for artists to be like, you know, it took you X amount of years and there's only freaks who hit, do hit after hit. That's why classic albums are classic because it's like this is such an amazing piece of work and it's un, you can't replicate it. It's one of a kind. And so asking for another one of those is like going, well, it doesn't make it one of a kind then. If it was easy to replicate, then 
how is it we'd classic? We'd all be doing it. Exactly. And we'd all be doing it if it was easy to replicate. Everyone, everyone would be copying the formula and like everyone would just be knocking out hits. They'd be knocking. And like, yo, I know there's teams though. Like there'll be teams with the Beyonce's and the Drake's and the, you know, that that have got a formula and will be like yeah, this formula usually works, but it's still not 100% guaranteed at any point for any artist. Yo, this is definitely going to knock. I mean, who would you say is like an artist that is consistently knocked, apart from Drake, actually, because he has, apart from this last offering, I would say, like who, like, who would you say is an artist that is consistently like knocked for like i don't know 10 20 years that's that's hard to do that yeah i mean the first one that came to my mind was like kendrick he's had he had a four album run where like and critically acclaimed people love it like again are they my favorite albums no but you'd probably say he's one of the best performers in terms of consistency because he the one thing that he does do is he sticks to what he wants to do like Mm. when i listen to kendrick i don't go I heard this shit elsewhere for the most part. Mm. He did have a sing-songy kind of radio track in his last album and I was like, come on, man, you're trying to be Drake. But that was one critique. But for the most part, he he does do his own sound. You know, um, I think now it's difficult, but you probably look at Jay-Z in his career. You probably look mm. at, you know, Kanye um, in terms mm. of what he's doing. Um, but like 10, 20 years, I mean... It's virtually impossible to be an artist like that. I mean, I look at people like Lauren Hill and I'm like, I'm so upset we only got one album from her. I know, and it's like, I know, me too. But man. then again, She's it almost makes it more special in a way that it's one album and it, there's nothing else. Like it's weird because every artist is like, I want to do more and every fan is like, I want more. But then, you know, I wondered the same thing about Biggie. You know, he did two classic albums, then he passed away, and I always wish he could do more. But, like, would that open the door for the legacy that he left to be diminished because of how difficult it is to have an extended music career with just killers? Yeah. So, and you, I look at Tupac as well. Not every album he did was amazing. He's got amazing albums in his work, but, like, I don't know. These are the questions that I wonder as a fan of, like, maybe it's – in a weird way, is a positive is like you protect the legacy when they pass away or when they stop releasing albums. Yeah, it's a really hard one because I think the same about Amy as well. I'm like, but then she was just about to go into like a super group. Like I think with like Nas and who else? Oh, there was loads. I actually can't remember. There was like a list of like four or five like super group kind of like soul Quarian setup and I was like whoa like this is going to be nuts and then obviously she passed so I do think about this a lot as well um I just think we have to be grateful that we even got blessed with what we did um but yeah you're right there's this weird thing like they stay exactly how we know them like in their height of superstardom their height of art artistry, their height of like the special magic that they put onto the world. They stay there in our memory like that, like frozen in time. And yeah, that's 
that's mad as well because I think we couldn't even imagine like some people as like old men or women could we because they'll always be yeah so it's interesting they kind of like stay frozen in the most iconic era of like their career um because i wonder the same about eminem right if he if he stopped making music after his first two or three albums would his legacy be greater than it currently is like he's still as popular as he's ever been commercially but i wonder in terms of hip-hop itself like within like the community would his legacy be bigger and i sometimes think think it would be yeah Ah, i think it would be because interesting i think what he did for music was really interesting in terms of he had a completely new look completely new voice and he just Mm. bars for days these days it's way more corny so like yeah, but back then it, it wasn't is. as corny and he did something brand new. His partnership with Dre, he found 50 Cent. Like that era of Eminem's career is like classic era. And then, you know, we see later on it's not the same. He's a different person. And obviously because he's not, he's not you know, in his early 20s. He's now a father. He's seen the industry. He's seen how he's been churned up by critics so on and so forth. So I wonder how that would be in terms of like his legacy or, or anyone else's like 50 Cent. If he if he stopped making music after Get Rich or Die Trying and The Massacre, he'd probably be considered up there with the greats. But, you know, it's yeah, really hard it's weird, to continue a career like that. I feel like I fucked with Eminem's music the most when he was like sad and depressed and in like internal turmoil um that's a fucking horrible statement but it's a real one so like he ain't in that place no more so he ain't gonna be making music (laughs) about you know locking Kim in the boot and driving off into the it's not he ain't gonna be making music because he ain't in that place no more he's happy he's got his daughter Hayley I can't speak for the man but he seems pretty you know what I mean he's 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 done everything you can do. He's made his mark on the world. And like, so it's the next question is then should artists maybe stop making music then? Like when it, when it, when it gets to that point, I'd like to say no, because like, of course they shouldn't. It's your expression, but it does seem to get bad. Maybe it's like an error thing. Maybe, like, we are very blessed to not be, like, Gen Z and below because we've actually experienced music, like, in a golden era. And it's a golden era because the 70s, the 60s, you know, even the 80s, it's their golden eras. But, like, I'm 91, so, like... I got to experience the 90s and that is definitely a golden era, especially in hip hop, of course. So like maybe it's just like getting progressively worse. And then there's just like little offshoots of underground artists and stuff. And, you know, maybe a little bit bigger than underground or whatever that kind of bringing the real shit back or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's a really interesting point. Like, I think we need to debate better. That's what I think. I like, because... I wonder 
if we literally stacked up all the best artists and go, all right, give me their best two projects and then let's decide who's the best as opposed to the full catalog because, like, you can't compare the full catalog. Uh, So, like, if you want to compare Biggie, all right, he's got two albums, all right, stack Biggie's best against anyone else's best. And I still think Biggie beats most of them. But the whole point is, like, you can't compare two albums in a short space of time to a 20-year career. You can't. It's it's completely different. Um, So I think that's part of us. And, like, I'm a huge fan of Big Pun and Big Pun, his, you know, Capital Punishment is one of my favourite albums. But, like, we don't speak about him. His last two projects were just shit because of his health battles. So, like, these are all the things that we see of, like, artists being taken by time and, like, Nas as well you mentioned, he came back to hip-hop and, you know, in a weird way his legacy has been slightly damaged because it took him a couple of albums to even get back to a place where he was found his new modern sound. And so, like, these are all the things that I wonder as, like, sometimes we as fans do a disservice to the artists that we love by comparing them too much. Yeah, definitely. We, it, we, in fact, we shouldn't compare at all, but it's just natural, isn't it? <laughs> it's just competitive. That's what hip-hop is because, like, <laughs> if you feature on a track, they're going to compare your verse with the originating artist and they're going to yeah. pick a winner. Like we are. I always do it. I'm always like, I preferred that verse. Next. I preferred that verse. Next. What about, what about, Aaron, what about like the latest resurgence of like taking an old school classic like Lotto? Is it Lotto or Lotto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Her. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Maybe it's Lotto or Lotto. I don't know. But um, she took obviously Mariah's classic. And then obviously Mariah's jumped back on it on the remix. But what do you think? Because there's loads of people doing that in hip hop now, like mainstream hip hop anyway, where they're like taking classic records, not really doing that much with it, like adding, like it's not really, you're not switching it up that much. And then obviously all the Gen Z's and that never heard it. So they're just like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I probably would be if I heard that beat for the first time. I'd be like, yo, it's lit. Like, obviously. But yeah, it it keeps happening. Those in hip hop and I'm listening to it and I'm like, that's not new. I like it, but it's not, it's not new. It's not new at all. But I think that's the answer. It it doesn't, it won't stand the test of time for me. Cause like Mm. I, it goes back to which song would I rather listen to? So unless you're murdering it, like unless you're doing something so amazing on this that it's better than the original, you probably shouldn't touch the original. And there's a difference, like you said, I think there's a big difference between sampling it or like using it as inspiration and changing the beat to a point where it's like, I recognize the sound and I recognize the inspiration, but it's a completely different song versus mm. oh this is the same song slightly modernized and now i just compare the two so that's mm. the problem like if you give me a comparison i'm just going to compare them and maybe it is for a younger you know audience cuz it's like this is a banger new. of a beat yeah, it's new to them yeah, yeah. but yeah, they're bound to fa- find out like a lot of them are bound to find out like you know when you love a song you're like oh, i want to know everything about it 
and then you find out that there's an original song that you used the beat, and then you're like, oh, it takes the shine away because it's not the same. Um, or do you just find out because you're a muso and you're super into music and do they just like, nah, I'm just going to twerk in the club and I don't give a fuck? Because it makes me wonder, like, is, does anyone actually trace music back to the originals? Like, it's interesting, like, I listen to so much music from, like, the neo-soul era, like, the D'Angelo's, the Jill Scott's, the Lauren Hill's, you know, like I listened to Bilal, like all, all that era of music, and then I can trace them back again. So like so big soul voices from like the 70s, and then you can trace it back again. But like sometimes, I think because I'm British as well, um, a lot of people um, that listen to my music only trace me back to Amy Winehouse. And then it's like, Right, Amy's the goat, she's amazing. Like, but there's like, there's loads. Have you looked over there? There's like, you go back and back and back and back and back. And I think like, a lot of people are just lazy with it. And they just think like, what's the last one then? Like, literally, I'll just trace you one back. And I personally think a lot of our, a lot of um, fans listening won't trace it back. Like, they ain't tracing back that lotto tune. They're not thinking Mariah Carey. I'm telling you, like, until Mariah jumps on it. And then it's like, and she's done that now. <laughs> but maybe so they're too just, young. But they're young. Yeah. So, like, yeah. they may not look at it now. But, like, I wasn't looking at samples when I was 18 and early. Like, I wasn't. So maybe it takes time for them to really look at it. But, it, but I mean, I love looking at samples. There's a track by uh yeezy not yeezy um jeezy and they all sound the same uh all the names are all the same <laughs> it always confuses me seen it all and jay-z's on there and there's a sample a japanese sample from like 1979 and i love the fact that they take a song and they take an instrumental beat and put it into a modern hip-hop track to me that's what artistry is to me that's what hip-hop is about is like where are all these nitty-gritty samples that have we've never heard of and that have made this song just absolutely killer. So, like, I've started doing it on my TikTok is literally just go and just find a song and go, here's the sample and here's what they made it into. And it's just so cool. Like, even if nobody looks at it, I love looking at it because I'm just like, <laughs> it's so cool because I couldn't do it. Like, I listen yeah. to it and I'm like, first of all, how the fuck did you find this and where did you find it? Because it's from like the 70s or the 60s. And number two, how did you chop it up enough to be like, let's make this beat? And then the rappers to be able to do a good enough job for it to actually work. Like all those things to me is what makes hip hop special. So when we copy another hip hop track, you suddenly lose what makes hip hop special unless you sample it correctly or in an interesting way. Then it's no longer what hip-hop originally stood for in terms of its its four elements. So I think it's more due the artist owes themselves a little bit of like, hey, you should probably look after the genre as opposed to just make a banger. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I'm all for But then again, you get paid. <laughs> but then you get paid. So like, So like, again, I've got two modes. I've got like, you know, 
artist, Aaron, who's like, I love the genre and I want to protect it at all costs, but I also got, I want to get paid Aaron as well. And so I get that. So there's no right answer. There's just like idealistic and reality. Um, And as long as the artist can go to bed at night and sleep and go, hey, I'm all right with this, fine. So be it. That's that's you. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm not there. I'm not you. So, like, I'm not in that position to be, like, make the choice. But I think you just got to be able to end your career at some point and be like, am I proud of what I put out? Yeah, exactly. I think that's, like, the goal, isn't it? Like, maybe it's not for some people. You know what? Maybe... Because, like, that might make sense that that's not the goal for some people, but it is for me. That's my goal. I want to just be super proud of everything I do from here on out. And, like, I have been proud, but, like I say, I've lost my way a little bit. And um, I don't want to go there again. That was a super whack place. (laughs) I mean, you seem really happy now. Like, you seem way more settled like even sound wise like yeah when i listened to to that project with illa j i was like okay i can hear that you, you like you feel like all right this is who i want to be like this is yeah. the artist i want to represent as opposed to reaching for something that is not really you or that doesn't make sense um so i think that's a good place to be in you know and the real fans will come that's the the great thing i think authenticity is what you bring to the table and not everyone's going to fuck with it, but there are a lot of people who will and those people who will, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Yeah. Thank you. That means a lot that you've said that. Um, But yeah, I think I'm on the straight and narrow now. I'm on my way. Uh, Hopefully like, yeah, like I say, I've found, I found my people, you know, it's mad. You know, when you find there's a, there's a term, yeah, you know, when you find your tribe, like that's what it feels like. It's like I've got my I've got my people now and it'll take a lot to like sway me off course now. I don't think I I don't think I will. Like I don't think I would ever again actually. I've learned my lesson. But do you remember the feeling yeah. of did you know straight away or was there a moment that clicked for you? Like I'm always interested to know like when you were like, all right. I know this is it. What, as in positively you knew? As in like you knew that when you, like with the people you've got around you now, like Mm. did you know immediately that, you know, when you were meeting them, they're like, okay, this is in my tribe or I'm in their tribe or did it take some time for you to be like, right, it just clicked? It's weird, man, because like the, the way I went, so I I went in November 2021 to Vegas and um, we didn't know we were going to do a whole whole album. Um, but when I went, oh, my God, like what I had to go through to actually get there. So like all the drama surrounding COVID, multiple tests, proving like certain statuses, all these different things I had to go jump through hoops. Like there was like this weird rule where you couldn't fly before having certain things done and you had to prove and everything has to be within like 
48 hours and all there was like so many strict strict rules and it was just like nah I ain't gonna be able to come there's no way I'm not gonna be able to come like I've got my flight I've got everything set to go I've got my accommodation the studio's booked in everything's ready to go and I ain't gonna be able to come because Covid is still fucking up my life like I, I ain't gonna be able to come it's too too many restrictions and too much like rules like I'm gonna flop like I'm not gonna be allowed on the plane there's gonna be so many different things but managed to get all my documents together uh somehow managed to follow like the entry requirements which were were mad from memory mm-hmm. um and like even like on the way out so I'd done 10 days um of the studio uh in a row no no breaks and we'd done 11 tracks so we did the whole album in that 10 days straight through um and on the last day we did the track no apologies which is actually weirdly the housey one we were talking about house the whole podcast (laughs) but like um yeah I kind of laid the idea and then um, it was like, I was literally like messaging, trying to check in for, to fly the next day home. And Delta were like, oh, um, you have to like get a, a COVID test or whatever to like get on, on the airplane. And I was like, no, you don't. Uh, the entry requirements for England, uh, uh, like you don't need that because we were told that you didn't need that at that time because it's always changing that's what's like it's always changing like it's better now I think I think things are on the straight and narrow now things are getting better but it was always changing at this time and I was like shit I'm gonna not be allowed on this plane if I don't and I had to dip out of the recording session imagine like I was trying to make the best impression be professional I had to dip out of the recording session to go get a test done to then like prove that and it was like and I was like I, I don't think I'm going to need this because the entry requirements to England say different but you know what I'm just going to get it done because like yo you can never be too careful got to the airport the next day and it was it what it like she was like yeah um can you t-? and I was like Oh my, so everyone had like different, what are the rules? What are actually the rules? One person to tell you one thing, another person to tell you one, another thing. And so I felt like I traveled through like some kind of like black mirror episode, <laughs> some kind of like, yeah, Armageddon, like some madness. Yeah, I felt, I was like, I'm not meant to be here. Da, 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 this is happening anything could go wrong oh my god what if I get it and then have to stay in America I haven't got enough money to da, 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 da. and there was just all these things and then somehow I got this incredible album out of it Hideout which I'm so so proud of and I just think some things are meant to be and like as soon as I got there the first day uh, uh the first day we got there and and wrote I think it was whenever and um it was mad like it was the easiest kind of chemistry and back and forth and like it just wrote itself I can't explain it it's just like it was so natural and like it was just I didn't have to try I didn't have to 
explain to Illa, yo, this is a kind of, I'm going for this kind of like Bilal vibe here, or yeah, yeah, those hip hop drums, yeah, 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 fat, fat, and he playing some mad synth lines, he's sick at that. And like, I didn't have to explain nothing. It was like, didn't have to explain myself. Like I've worked with so many different producers now, and especially with that whole like, you gotta go in with these songwriters and write a whole song. Like, so I've been I've been with loads of different producers. I always have to exp- I have to explain myself. Like before I've gotten it gone in there, and again they only trace me back to the biggest person out of our country to ever do that genre of music. They only trace me back to that. They don't trace it any further. They don't delve into the roots of like, there's a whole genre, like there's multiple genres, there's genres upon genres. There's neo soul, there's classic soul, there's jazz. How far do you want to hop back? Like all those influences are there. There's deep roots within this music. So it's like, you can only hop back to like 2000. So it's like, obviously it's incredible, like, you know, that um, that particular artist was massive and, and made it, the, that sound mainstream again. And, and that was beautiful. And, and I love her. I think she's one of the best artists to ever come out of this country and the respect will never alter. But it's interesting like when you're actually working in this country, making music, they do only trace it back. And so when that happens, it's like, you don't listen to my type of music. You, you don't, you don't listen to my type of music. You can only trace it back to one person. And even like some of my like management and stuff could only trace it back to one or two other people. And then it's like, you're trying to tell them like, this is the route I need to go. Listen, I need to work with Villa. I need to fly to Vegas and do this album. They don't understand what you're chatting on. Like, yeah, we know Illa's, got a mad status, like crazy skills, but like, do you have to go to Vegas? Can you not do it online? Can you not, like, do you have to? Is there anyone else we can, is there, and they don't understand. And like, when you're deep into the genre and deep into that art, artistic, like there's a certain pocket as well that me and Illa land in, which is really interesting because he'll do little pockets and I know the pocket, we don't have to speak. I know exactly what he's doing when he's doing it. And he knows exactly what I'm doing when I'm doing it. We'll be like, yeah, yeah, oh, yo, that pocket you pick, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no explanation. We just know that's a dope pocket. You, Yo, only certain artists can jump in that pocket. Like, yo, that little Bilal flavor, that little you know, Prince Ting you did, like the falsetto, like there's only certain, oh, you can do that. Like he can do that. Like that falsetto shit, I can do that. But I don't know too many other artists that could do that and actually sound good and keep it super soulful. Like that's like, oh, yo, you got it. Like, yo, yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. So it was so refreshing to go into the session, pick my mad little pockets and not have to do some weird history experiment where I'm just like, yeah, so the pocket is kind of like, this is the person I've been listening to at the moment. Uh, You probably Google it or 
bring up the references like, oh, these are the singers. Like, nah, man, you should just know. Why don't you know? Why am I in the studio with you if you don't know? Like, get out then. Like, move. I can't be asked. Like, why am I in the studio with you if you don't know the levels or the roots of the music I'm trying to make? Like, and it would happen all the time because obviously when I was getting hushed into a certain you know, more crossover sound. They would they would just be like pop songwriters trying to make a, oh, this is a bit hip hoppy, this beat. Oh, yes. Um, and it's like, it's not, bruv. It's not. Those drums are not hip hop, bruv. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to do. Stick my little voice on it. It might sound a little bit more what we were trying to do. But other than that, no, bro. The production, no, it's not. It's not. That's not it. And just having to not explain that. And obviously, like, it is just a crazy guy. He does everything. He's like a musician, a rapper, a singer, a songwriter. Like he's like just a crazy youth, man. Like he, he does he does it all, and he's so humble with it as well. Like you won't catch that guy bragging. Like he's super super humble. Like but he does it all. He's it's mad. He's like prince up in this bitch. Like he'll jump on like five different instruments in one session. Like boom. Like like all plays everything sick like yo brings different machines in like each day be like oh fancy the moog today brings the moog in plays this mad like cali synth line i'm like what <laughs> how have you done like like he's a crazy you and like he respects it as well he respects the art form he respects he respects the genre he respects the music he's trying to make and and the expression, like, you won't ever catch that question earlier where you were like, oh, if the bag's right, would you take, like, Illa, no. I can say, as one of his mates, that guy would never, never, is all about the art, all about the art, man. Like, that's the people you want to surround yourself with, people that care so much about the art form, and and the art side of things because like I say that gets lost so much if you let it and I'm I'm pleased to say I'm now I'm back guys well if that's not the best (laughs) sales pitch I've ever heard for people to listen to an album I don't know what is because there was life story in there there was vibes in there there was relationships there was the whole thing big enough obviously Illa J um and I agree when I was going through his catalog before I spoke to him, I was like, holy shit, how much can this guy do? Like I literally was actually like, what the fuck am I listening to? Cause he can do literally do it all. Um, and it's, it's always so impressive to me because, you know, I am not, I always say like, and people are like, maybe you could be, but I'm not huge on like, I can't rap. I can't sing. And I don't make any of my own music. Right. Um, so it's always so impressive that not only can, people do one of those skills successfully. There are people who can do all of those skills successfully. So, um, yeah, I always think it's so impressive. But obviously, make sure you check out The Hideout. And I've only got one more question for you, Harley. Um, okay, wicked. 
Hit me. It's probably the hardest question that I'm going to ask. And I've asked oh, a few prickly God. ones. Oh, there he goes. This is well, the other the one I planned. question. Oh, my yeah. God. Till the end. <laughs> All right, let's have it. For some, it's actually quite easy. For some, it's hard. Um, but <laughs> if you had to recommend one album that everyone listens to at least once to get an appreciation of, it's not the greatest album of all time, but just an album that you think everybody should listen to to appreciate, it can be any genre of music and obviously can't be your own. What would it be? It, it is funny. I have had artists try to give me their own music, and I'm like, no, 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 no. don't do this shit on my we channel. Ain't do, we ain't doing that anyway. Like that's whack anyway. Like if you, well, it's not whack because you should always like, you should always be like your, yo, I big myself. But like, up, we're gonna big but, you up anyway. That's why you're here. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. we know. And, and I like that question because it's a muso question. It's like, it's like. Yeah, how how deep are you into what you rep then? Because like, yeah, because you you there are musicians, they're weirdos, but they are there are musicians that don't really listen to anything within their genre and just make it. And then you almost think, oh, was you just an influencer on Instagram? that was already popping with your numbers and just gave music a go. Because like, it's like, how do you not know anything about the genre of music you're making? How? how? I always find the why the interesting part. Cause like some artists, when they tell me they're like, this meant a lot to me, this out. And they tell me like, even if it's short, I can tell they're genuine. And then, and I know mm. that it's like, this album means a lot to you. I spoke to Kyle Lucas, like I think episode like 55 or something. So like ages ago. And he came out so quickly with Equemini by Outcast. But he explained like what it meant to him as like growing up and like listening to it in Atlanta. And so like I was like, there's no lie here. And then there are artists who I've spoken to and I'm not going to say who I think, but, Obviously, I'm sure there are artists that like, well, I just think like people will listen to them and they'll be able to tell who's in it for real, who's in it for not. Because I know for a fact there are artists I've spoken to who won't have long careers because there is a difference. And the reason I do podcasts like this is like there's a difference between being able to have 30 minutes of like pre-planned answers versus an hour, an hour 15 I'm going to catch, like, I don't plan to catch you out, but you're going to get caught out because you don't have the thought behind the passion and, like, all of that stuff. And you obviously do. We could do this for another three hours if we really <laughs> wanted to. I, I already know. So um, so I think there's a huge difference there. But mm. now that we've had this discussion, I, we have dragged it out, so you've had plenty of time to think. Do you oh, have- I have dragged it out. No, I'm already wrapping it. I don't know if you can see. Can you see? Can you see my T-shirt? Who is Jill Scott? Yeah. Words and Sounds, so Volume One. That I am Jill Scott's biggest fan. I've been listening to Jill Scott since I was ten years old. My mum bought her CD. Those were the days. The CD and um, this this album specifically. This album was one of my greatest influences, like ever. So I, it's kind of like my good luck T-shirt. Like, it's like I make music in this T-shirt and, like, I just I have good energy. I travel in this T-shirt. 
because I feel like it protects me. <laughs> so I'm like, no. But like, <laughs> but um, I just like, it. I don't know, like, it's just, it reminds me of all the good times in my life. Like, yo, my mum busts that album, you know. Listen, my mum, she is a neo-soul girl. She was the one that introduced me to all the artists that I, I adored. And like I say, if it wasn't for my mum's music taste, I wouldn't have, like, I wouldn't have been a soul girl. Like, I wouldn't. Like, it was her her background, like, she was super into, like, neo-soul, obviously, because that was the era at that time when I was, like, 10. But even before that, my mum's got, like, a massive record collection. She's been listening to, like, you know, Northern Soul records, like, Motown records, like, a bit of hip-hop, but more, like, I would say, soul and jazz and that kind of thing. And so I've I've kind of, like, been you know, brought up in a very soulful, super soulful household. And then even like, I'd say 80s R&B, New Jack Swing, like she's just gone like that on the soul spectrum. It's always soulful, <laughs> but it just a uh, little changes here and there. But yeah, she's mad, man. I, I've said to my mum, like, yo, you should have been a DJ, man. Why was you not a DJ? Like, she's a hairdresser, but she should have been a DJ. It's and never too late. It's it's never too late. Ah, now if, well, okay, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I love a soul sample. I, I love soul samples. Yeah. Like soul and hip hop go hand in hand. There's something about like the rough voice and the rough lyrics, and then the soulful, you know, voice in the background. There's like nothing mm-hmm. better. But there we go, yeah. Harley Blue. She came with yeah. it. Who is? I, I'm trying to remember because who is Jill Scott? Words and Sounds yeah. Volume One. Um, yeah. that's the recommendation. Make sure you check it out. Um, obviously make sure you check Harley out as well. Um, there's music videos on YouTube. You can follow her on IG and obviously Spotify we've spoken about as well. Um, is there anything you wanted to plug? I know when I spoke to Illa J, he was saying, and you kind of mentioned that there's another project in the works. Do you have a time frame on that? Um, where can people find it? What's the go? Yeah, so we're going to be dropping um, singles from, what do you guys say? Fall, autumn. No, that's, autumn? we say autumn, fall. fall is. We say autumn as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you guys, you, you guys are our cousins. We speak the Queen's English, like... you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so autumn time. Um, we're going to start dropping singles from the new album and like yeah it's going to be coming out next year and then we're going to be going on tour and like yeah so look out for a tour date near you I want to come come up your sides man do you think they'd be feeling us if we uh, did a little yeah 100% we've got a nod we've got a nod yeah 100% you'll find you'll find somewhere to do something we haven't had shows for so long and we're so far away as well like if Kendrick yeah. is coming down here, you know you better be coming down. So, um, hey, that that's that's uh, the plug. But also, Kendrick, uh, I was jealous of Glastonbury. Did you see it? Like no. we get uh, Glas- Glastonbury is televised in in England, and um, yeah, I saw it and I was like, raw, because like like I say, like that that new project. I think it's just like an art piece, isn't it? So I wasn't sure how that was going to hit live. Like at all, actually, I was like, how, how is this gonna work? Like, and then he just did some 
<laughs> next level the dancers like he had some he had like some um there was like some uh kind of like christ uh it's like a alice band <laughs> no how do you how do you say? i have no idea it's like a sweatband no like a it was like a crown that's it why have right. i seen alice band it was a crown and it was glittery and then he was rapping doing all this stuff and it was like whoa whoa and there's all these dances and then from his head blood just trickled it must have been like you know what they get in like wrestling like the yeah. fake blood it yeah. must have just triggered something and then it just went and it went all up in his eyes and i was like ah, oh, like i can't imagine like having to like wrap with all the blood in your eyes and i was like ah, oh, oh. but it was epic it was like oh this is like art but on stage i will say it is definitely a piece it's like a its own piece that sits in its own realm and kendrick yeah. if you want to comp me a, a ticket i'm more than happy to go and <laughs> you ain't getting you no ticket you ain't <laughs> getting no ticket if I no i'm gonna have to pay like, like everybody nah, else nah, nah. you ain't getting no ticket bro no way <laughs> i love the i see the reason i i, I try to talk directly to these artists knowing that they'll probably never listen to it but the <laughs> one time that they do they might go at least he asked so yeah, you never true. know. You never know. Although from my understanding, Kendrick isn't really listening to what hip hop commentators say um, that much. <laughs> so maybe not, no. especially because I've got a full two hour podcast on his album. So actually, Kendrick, <laughs> don't listen to that. Just comp me a ticket. <laughs> You're fake, man, about comp me a ticket. <laughs> yeah. Come on, you can no, afford it. You ain't getting one. You ain't getting one. Do you know what treatment you're getting? Have you seen the new um, Oasis um, documentary or biopic? No. Actually, it might not be new, but I've, I've recently watched it. And it, his dad, well, their dad, um, the two Gallagher boys, uh, the dad was like, um, rang them up, recorded the uh, phone call, rang them up like, uh, yeah, so I, I've tried to get tickets and obviously they're massive sold out tours like this back in their absolute heyday. And they're just like, nah, like you, you ain't getting no tickets. And also I'll break your legs if I see you in the corridor or something like that. Typical Gallagher style. And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, yes. Anyway, my man sold, the dad sold the audio of the argument to the newspaper and like basically you could ring this number on the newspaper like it must be the 90s but you could ring this number and listen to the audio like now it would just get ripped and put straight onto tiktok but you could ring the number and it would be and you you put a payment through and you can hear hear the audio and they were like yeah uh, the gallagher sons threatening their dad i was like listen he wasn't a dad so you ain't getting no ticket, bro. You didn't change no nappies. You good didn't plan. do nothing. Yeah. That's a good plan, though. So, Kendrick, if you want to have an argument with me, I promise I won't record it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> now, if, if you're calling me, I'm going to ask you to come on the show, let's be honest. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's it's late here. It's like 830 I'm just talking shit now, but um, <laughs> I don't want to hide from the message. Obviously, check out Harley Blue. Make sure you you show us some love. Stay tuned for the new projects, and um, 
Yeah. No, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and hopefully yeah. I'll get to see you in person, whether it's touring down here. Yeah. I know you want to move to the States. I want to move to yeah. the States at some point. So we'll yeah. make it happen. We'll make it happen, man. I'll be there. We'll have a little park party. We'll be like the two cheeky, cheeky new foreigners trying to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to steal all your friends. That's my plan, to be honest. Is like, <laughs> yeah. You've got a whole crew. I'm just going to you know, be like, hey, guys, I'm the white Australian guy who likes hip hop. <laughs> That's me. Yay, I like you already. Don't yeah. worry. It's cool. You're in the gang. <laughs> awesome. That's what I need. All right. Illa J, sorry you're stuck with me, bud. yeah thank you for having me i appreciate it (laughs) thanks for listening to the show please like and subscribe and follow me on instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now